Welcome to the Cone and Kruger Show. We are Cone and Kruger, and we're going to be at camp starting Wednesday. Here's what you need to know. First two days, probably no pads and day off. Then the real stuff starts Saturday, although it's all pretty real for Trey Lance. It's already getting real because people are expecting him to be the starter. People are expecting Jimmy Garoppolo to get traded or cut, and people are starting to talk about it. Larry, check this out. Oh, wait, that doesn't work. Hold on. Sorry. Okay, that works now. There we go. So apparently um, someone in the NFC West is very happy that the Niners are thinking about getting rid of Jimmy Garoppolo. He says that would be like my early Christmas present if they just get rid of Jimmy. So that way he can't play for them and then make Trey be your guy. A coach whose team plays the 49ers this season said, sure, the more he plays, the better he will probably get. But he's a four. And I feel like he's probably the bottom four for me. A voter from the NFC West said, just think about it. You get Russell Wilson out of here. And now we've got Trey Lance playing, and it's like, oh, thank you. It just went from a really good quarterback division to being one of the softer divisions. I don't know if that quote's from the same person, but sort of the same sentiment. I think it's probably coming from someone from Arizona or the Rams, and my guess would be the Rams since Jimmy's never lost to them in the regular season. What do you think of this quote? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, you know, the 49ers have had ownership on the Rams. I got to think that it's probably about somebody with the Rams saying, good riddance, man. We, we haven't been able to beat them with Garoppolo. Maybe we'll be able to beat them with Lance. But, you know, it's a bit careful. It's a bit careful what, you know, what you wish for kind of a kind of a line as well, because, um, yeah, Jimmy is a little bit more dependable in certain ways, but he's also very dependable to make that huge mistake repeatedly. So uh, I think the 49ers are thinking, you know, they can get a, a quarterback with a little bit more upside, a little bit more athleticism, a little bit more mobility and somebody who might learn from his mistakes and not make the same mistake over and over and over again. So but I, I, it is interesting, isn't it, that how all these teams view the quarterbacks, a veteran quarterback is viewed um, differently than a than a young guy, even if the young guys got promise. It's true. I mean, I, I can't imagine it being from Arizona, though, because. Arizona beat Jimmy Garoppolo last year in Levi's with Colt McCoy. Once you do that, I feel like he's not the boogeyman anymore. The Rams have beaten Jimmy one time, and it was barely in the NFC Championship. It was like – now, Jimmy – the thing about it is if you look at Jimmy's numbers against the Rams, they're not special. I think he's thrown nine touchdowns and seven picks. So is he lucky against the Rams? Is he – I don't know. But the Rams have a really tough time beating that version of the 49ers, and maybe they feel if the Niners change – They'll match up better because I do know that the Rams happen to do well against scrambling quarterbacks, I think, historically. Well, and I just think that that they I think that the common wisdom is that quarterback position is such a cerebral learned deal that, you know, this is a league now where guys in their mid 40s can have success. Guys in their late 30s can have success. And yet rookie quarterbacks, there's still never been one that's ever led a team to a Super Bowl. So I just think that there's people that look at. Man, you're going to a rookie quarterback. You're giving up the year, and essentially Trey is a rookie, even though he'll he has had a couple starts. Yeah. Uh, you know, some people look at that as, oh man, the 49ers are giving up this division for the year. Um, we've got a real opportunity here. They're not even going to have a veteran, and I think it also has something to do with the fact that they're if they move Jimmy, they'll have no veterans in their quarterback room. They'll have a new quarterback coach, a second-year starter, um, Sudfeld and Purdy as the backups. So there's not a lot of quarterback knowledge in that room, and maybe that's what they're pointing at. Yeah. Uh, maybe from the Rams' perspective, too, if this is the Rams' perspective, even though Jimmy Garoppolo isn't the reason the Niners beat them, 
he does neutralize their best part of their defense. Just the quick passes sort of neutralize the pass rush. And then all the running and like the pop passes, the way Kyle Shanahan calls plays for Jimmy really neutralizes what the Rams defense does best. If you hold the ball a long time against the Rams, they'll sack you and they'll beat you. So maybe they feel they'll just have a better chance against someone else. It's not like Jimmy Garoppolo's Drew Brees throwing the ball 50 times and dicing them up. But when he does throw, the ball's in his hands for like a second and a half. So yeah. I, I don't know. Maybe maybe they feel like they'll take their chances with Trey. Well, Trey did hold it an awful long time as a, you know, on his two starts compared to Jimmy. Jimmy's got a really quick release. That's probably the strength of his game. Maybe they're thinking they're dreaming of this, you know, sack total that's going to be 10, 12 in a game because Trey's going to hold the ball. But you got to think that Shanahan, Greasy, and the offensive coaching staff are going to devise, you know, some, some, some get it out of Trey's hands type of plays. Uh, especially in big third, being key third downs against whoever they play. Right. And as Robert Griffin said, the whole allure with Trey Lance isn't that he can do the Robert Griffin offense. It's that he can do that and the Jimmy Garoppolo offense. Theoretically, he's been here a year. He knows the system. He should be able to do the Jimmy Garoppolo game plan that worked six times in a row against the Rams. Why not? Why deviate from it? It's got a lot of passing. Yeah, I mean, I guess the the other thinking could be like, look, Trey's never seen the kind of adversity that you're going to face in the NFL. You know, the, the NFL is all about adversity and overcoming it. The plays are designed, but then it's like what happens from there can be almost like controlled chaos. And maybe they feel like maybe there's a feeling that Jimmy shows them a, a certain amount of poise and that uh, Trey will be, you know, sped up and forced into all kinds of uncharacteristic mistakes because of the speed of the game and how fast everything's moving. But I don't think they're really factoring in how how much uh, Trey Lance puts himself through the mental reps. And I expect him to hit the ground running faster and have more, or more early efficiency than you would typically think of a young quarterback. Because I think he's all wed, in, wed to the process. Yeah, I sort of expect him to hit the ground running the way Colin Kaepernick and Russell Wilson did. I could be wrong, but that's sort of what I expect. He's got a really good team around him, even though he's only 22 He's been here a year. That Niner guy says, why are so many people comfortable talking so much crap about Lance? Really looking forward to Trey. Maybe it is uh, it was reverse psychology. Haha. Why do you think so many people are so comfortable talking about a player they really haven't seen much of? Because there's no um, – he's coming from the FCS and, he, and he's coming from North Dakota State. There's not a lot of collegiate film out there. We haven't – we can't point to bowl games and, and high-profile TV games where we parked our carcass on the couch and watched it and, and saw Trey dominate. So the people – there's not as much pe- – you know, not as many people, you know, totally uh, believe in Trey because they haven't, they haven't seen him succeed at the collegiate level. And then I just also think – because he looked, you know, in that Arizona game, he took a lot of hits. Um, he really looked like he held the ball a long time. And I just think overall, there's just a there's a lot of unknowns anytime you're talking about an FCS quarterback. I'm a little more cynical, though. I feel like there's a lot of mystery and intrigue here because people are talking about him. They haven't seen him play. And I think people figured out if you have a little bit of a platform and you need views, you need people, you want people to watch you. Say that the Niners are making a big mistake at quarterback. Say that Trey Lance is a bust and they should hold on to Jimmy Garoppolo. That's juicy. And anyone who says that pretty much gets a lot of attention this offseason, whether or not you're working for ESPN or you're a former scout or you're whoever. If you have information, someone told you, you could see something, people are listening and they're mad and, and, and you get a lot of attention. I think people are, it's like the third rail of 
NFL coverage this, this offseason, the Trey Lance topic, saying he's not going to be good. I don't know. Well, there, there's a ton of curiosity. I will say this. I wasn't planning on going to the mini camp. Then at the last second, I uh, hooked up my credential, went to the mini camp. Man, as soon as I, I, I put it on social media that I had been at the mini camp and that I had actually put my eyes on Trey Lance, I was I was getting requests from every Niner blogger, podcaster, YouTuber, um, IG, uh, live people. I mean, everybody wanted to talk to me that week. And it was all because there's so many unknowns and there's so few eyes on it and people just want to know. I think, and I agree with you. I think that, I don't think it's cynical, Grant. I think that's, I don't think you're being cynical. I think you're being realistic. If you park your car at, at Trey Lance uh, way in Jimmy Garoppolo Avenue, yeah. man, you're going to get hits and traction and that equals dollars. And so that's what brought Mike Silver to the party. And that's what brought uh, Colin Coward to the party. Coward had a video two weeks before the silver thing where he basically said it's time for the 49ers to switch gears from Garoppolo to Lance. Well, they had already said they were going to. So it was a total non-story. Why do the video, Colin? Well, you do the video because it gets lots of hits. You do the you know, you get lots of hits, you get lots of traction, you make money. Here's the thing. We've both watched him practice, though. And I've watched I've, I've seen every open practice he's ever done. And again, it's just practice, and that's fair. It's not a real game, but he's been very good in practice. Whether he's been the second team, you saw him this year with the first team. I mean, he was very efficient. He didn't throw very many incomplete passes at very few interceptions. And it's like, okay, he's supposed to look good in practice. Maybe it's going to come back down to earth a little bit in games. Well, Jimmy looks worse in practices. Jimmy doesn't look like that in practices. And they call him a gamer. He's not a gamer. The Niners do everything they can to sort of prop him up. If that's what Jimmy looks like in practices, Trey's already better than him. That's my, There's no way that Trey's going to just be this practice mirage, but Jimmy's a gamer. I can't see that happening. I just can't. Plus, you know, it's funny. That story about his lack of uh, – it was the arm fatigue story and the lack of accuracy. We literally stood next to each other on the Tuesday and the Wednesday. At the, We're standing there. The Tuesday practice was the red zone practice, and I remember commenting to you, man, I don't know that I've seen a Niner quarterback be this accurate in the red zone in a long time. I mean, like going back to like Garcia or something. I mean, I mean, it was a long time since I've seen somebody that accurate in the yeah, red you can't zone. Can't say Kaepernick was exactly a red zone superstar. I mean, we remember the Super Bowl. Right, right. And 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 even Alex Smith. I mean, Alex True. Smith was not would spray it around. So the accuracy that he demonstrated on that Tuesday was impressive. Then followed up to the Wednesday where we saw him throw Russell Wilson like dimes to Ray Ray McLeod and Jordan Matthews 45 yards down the field on the dead run back in the bread basket, splitting defenders. Back to you back. Know, your, your quintessential deep throw, and he threw two dimes. Now were they, could they have been lucky? Sure. I'll give it's only two passes, but I don't think so. Yeah. So again, it's when, when people say this stuff to me, it's people who aren't around people who aren't watching that want a little attention in the off season. I get it. People like hits. They got to eat, but Larry and I are there and listen to what we're saying. Sorry. Give us the hits. Not them. Matthew Robertson <laughs> Grant looks like Donnie Wahlberg. Love the show. Oh man. <laughs> Thanks. I'll take it. All right, moving on. No, we got one from Keneal. Hold on, then we'll move on. Keneal has something on topic. I feel like it's undersold that the youngest quarterback ever with the least amount of experience playing hurt did not look completely overmatched. Trey is him. It's true, he was younger than uh, Lamar. And it was, I was looking, 
at Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck had a really good rookie year. Completed 54% of his passes. He was 23. Lance is 22. I'm just going to be really interesting to see what he does this year at such a young age. He could be really good. He could be the best 22-year-old. Well, I think Lamar won an MVP at 22. I could be wrong. Okay, I'll say this too. When I was talking to some some people who who are scouts who have been on the road um, going into the draft, they said if if you want the quarterback that's going to hit the ground running fastest earliest, don't take Trey. Trey's going to take time to assimilate to the NFL because of the lack of exposure, the step up in in, in caliber of competition, and that he's not everybody like early on. We're like this Trey's not the guy. Who who's going to step in and dominate early. But I also got the comparisons to Mahomes that when he gets everything down, you're going to see a Mahomes like jump because he's got the skill set and it's really important to him. And I think that's what we're going to see this year. I'm not saying he's Mahomes, but I'm saying there's going to be a monumental jump from year one to year two. I agree. Uh, I, I still keep going back to the Alex Smith comparison. That's what you should say about Alex Smith. Remember, when he got to Utah, it was a little rough, but once he got the whole thing, he was light, he was perfect. And he could never sort of do that with the Niners because they kept giving him a new coach every seven every year for seven years. But once he got to stay with the coach for a couple of years, he was a good quarterback. I wonder if Trey Lance will start off as that kind of like game manager, a little cautious, doesn't want to turn the ball over. I don't see him lighting it up like Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes came out and was throwing the ball like 40 times a game and threw 50 touchdown passes. I don't think the Niners are going to ask Trey Lance to do that right away. But I think he could get there eventually. Well, you got to remember this. Kyle, uh, the, the, the offense that Alex Smith drove was not this offense. This offense has Debo, Ayuk, Kittle, a handful of backs, a star left tackle. I mean, there's some – Trey's not out there by himself. And no. so I, I think Trey's going to – I think Trey is going to have a terrific year this year. I'd be surprised if he wasn't very good. Timothy Glander says, what are you we're looking for day one of camp? Remember, there's no uh, pads. They want to camp. So that's not going to be the pass rush stuff. What, what are you looking for? I'm looking for Drake Jackson to shed that you know half body of extra weight that he had on at minicamp. Drake Jackson is supposed to be a, a supposed to be D Ford uh, reincarnate. Uh, Drake Jackson looked like a combo D tackle D end at minicamp. He needs to be lean, mean, fast. He needs to he needs to. Re, you know, he needs to show up in in big time shape, ready to roll. And I didn't see that in the mini camp. And he was he was essentially their first round pick. I mean, even though he was a second, he was their highest draft choice and at a position of need. So there can be a lot of eyes on Drake, and he better be in better shape. Day one's a, a bit of a day, like a moment of truth. And I think the biggest story from day one usually is who's there, like who's on pup. Because everyone says oh, that's hurting off season. You're going to be healthy day one at camp. Oh yeah, I'm going to be healthy day one at camp. Who's really? Healthy day one at Camp McGlinchey, Javon, uh, Jimmy, Verrett. We'll see who's actually ready to practice day one at camp. That'll be a story. And then also like the business side of it. Uh, is Jimmy still there? Is Debo extended? Is both extended? Have you guys done your homework? Your off-season homework. You had three assignments this off-season. You, you <laughs> do them. Like, it's right at the, that's what I want to know because I'm not so sure that the Niners are going to pull a triple play on those three guys in the next, what they got, 48 hours? Less than that. To me, that first day, though, is so often about conditioning because it's like you can tell a lot by a guy's offseason, the way his body looks coming in. So there's a few guys that, you know, I want to see what they look like. I want to see what Debo's body looks like. Did he work out hard or has he been, you know, has he been has he been pouting? 
You know, is he, is, what's Ayuk's conditioning looking like? Does he is he in great shape or has he got extra weight? I mean, those that's your engine right there. Debo and Ayuk on the outside are those guys, you know, show up in camp ready to roll in great shape, or are those guys going to take camp to get into shape? Drake Jackson's another one. Um, there's probably another one in there. Like, what is Kinlaw looking like to me? What's Ridgeway's weight look like? Um, you know, Hafanga. I want to see what Hafanga looks like moving around out there. So there's a few body types I want to check out. Some guys, you know, for conditioning and some just for, you know, do they come in in good shape, great shape? Or, you know, every now and then you'll see that guy that comes in like, wow, this guy's done nothing but work out all off season. I want to see who's that guy. Yep. The Gold Rush 561 says, how many games does Lance have to play to fairly judge him against Jimmy Garoppolo? Well, that's a good question. To me, I don't think you really know what a quarterback is until he started 50 games. And I think Jimmy's getting right to that 50-game mark right now, which is why his stock is down. I think people feel like they know exactly what he is at this point. But if you would judge Jimmy Garoppolo after seven starts or or Colin Kaepernick after seven starts, you might think that they were going to be Hall of Famers. So I don't know. To me, it's 50 yeah. starts. That's that's a great that's a that's a great point I think you know because um you know there I, I would say you're always looking for forty plus starts coming out of college right okay. so I would say give me forty NFL starts but that's yeah. multi, I mean how many years is that I mean you're talking about years yeah half, I mean. 30. It's, it's going to take because it's also it's also about, you know, are there flaws in their game that, that cannot be corrected? Is are, are there things that D coordinators who get paid Thank a lot you. of money to, Thank like, you. you know, look at the film, say, you know what? This guy is really good at a play action, but man, he he has nothing when he's moving to his left. All right. Let's force him to his yeah. left consistently in big moments and let's see if he can respond. Or so in Jimmy's case, he won't throw down the field or outside the numbers. Once you get to start 50, the book is out on you. And you can yeah. really tear up the league at a, like really quickly, Colin Kaepernick, Jimmy Garoppolo, Lamar Jackson, when there's no scouting report. We're actually on our heels. We have no idea what this guy likes to do or what he does well or what he does poorly. But by start 50, it's all there. And if and when, it's also it's every sport. You, you're hot. The uh, opposition is can you adjust to the adjustments. If, you're, if you can, you're a Hall of Famer. If you can't, you're another one. You're another, uh, you know pro athlete who was a shot you know a, a, i don't know what i'm saying we saw it in the Arizona game when Colin Kaepernick threw the two pick sixes um oh. the Arizona had basically just said you know what we Colin can't throw with any anticipation he's got to see the guy open so what we'll and he's got a long release so mm-hmm. what we'll do is we'll just drop into a soft zone mm-hmm. keep everybody's eyes peeled on the quarterback mm-hmm. and we'll just read his eyes just peel yeah. into a s- soft drop uh, watch the quarterback's eyes break on the ball. Have confidence that what he's going to show. Have confidence that he can't fool you and manipulate you with his with his eyes. And he couldn't. And he never adjusted. And seriously, he was out of the league very very shortly thereafter. And Jimmy, to me, has never adjusted. Like he still is wherever he goes. Where if he ever plays again, he'll be forcing those fifteen yard passes over the middle, and everyone knows they're coming. And he's been doing it his whole career. They were more effective four years ago when people thought, "Hey, he might throw deep." No, he's not. Not going to throw deep. That was not going to. Well, it's deep. like the defenders who drop into zones against Garoppolo. If you notice late in the down, they cheat towards the middle of the field. So if you're going to cheat in or cheat out against Jimmy, the book is cheat in and he'll throw you one. Why? Because he doesn't have the confidence of the arm strength to get it out in the deep quadrants outside the hash. So why guard that? Why guard green grass that he can't complete passes against cheat to the middle, 
keep your hands up and be ready for the pick. And we saw why, it. Why does Jimmy Garoppolo throw so many interceptions in practice? Because that defense knows him. Yeah, They know him. I mean, I'm just saying there's a reason. It's true. But the more you get exposed. So anyway, your question to me, it's 50. Larry said 40. Two, two, three years. Because look, Lamar Jackson, I feel like, what is your impression of him now? I, the three, three years in a row, his numbers have gone down. D coordinators have really improved their approach to him and Greg Roman. Now the burden, the ball's in his court. He's got to show something new. I still think he's very good and very young, but it's a very interesting crossroads in his career. Well, look at the look at his touchdowns, interceptions the last couple of years. I think it was like thirty five and six three years ago. It was like twenty nine and six last two years ago. Last year was like sixteen and thirteen. Yeah, what's going on now? Yeah, so I, I, Greg Roman adjustment. I would fire Greg Roman. To me, he's super overrated and he never adjusts. But again. I don't know. I mean, you got to isolate the variables and figure it out, Baltimore, but that's not the problem we're working on here. Benny RSM says, will there be a joint team practice this year? Let's see if they laugh at Trey like the Chargers did. Jim. I think so. We're going to find Who's out this year? Minnesota. Yeah, I was going to say Vikings maybe, huh? I haven't booked that trip yet, but I, I'm going to. If it's in Minnesota and it's not cold, I always wanted to go to Minneapolis. Mankato? Get out to Mankato yeah. for practice? Sean says Jimmy fans have a heads I win, tails you lose scenario. If Trey plays poorly, see, I told you he wasn't ready. If he plays well, see, making him wait worked. Yeah, well, it's all right. Everyone sort of goes through life. That this way. is the yeah. most over discussed topic in the world. Why? Is because it? everybody knew that Jimmy, it, once you went with Trey, you were going redshirt year. So it's not like we've had redshirt two years or redshirt three years. Everybody knew there was going to be a red shirt year. There was a red shirt year. I mean, seriously, if people if the media just we've all fallen in a hole and didn't ask any questions about it, we'd emerge from this going, oh, yeah, OK, yeah, Trey got the red shirt year. That makes sense. Instead, it's been this haranguing and back and forth and Jimmy and the trade and what, you know, I mean, this is the plan. Year one, sit. Year two, play. Essentially, they handled um, Lance the same exact way the Ravens handled Lamar Jackson, except at a certain point, the Ravens lost confidence in Joe Flacco and benched him midseason. The Niners never did that with Jimmy Garoppolo. They're different quarterbacks. But essentially, like Trey Lance got gadget snaps in, in training camp. That's what the Ravens did with Lamar Jackson. I, you could argue they were following the same exact script, so I don't understand why. The only difference is that Trey Lance was a top three pick. Lamar Jackson was the 30th pick in the draft. I just think it's been a long time. The way the league has evolved, it used to be if you draft a quarterback, he sits a year. Now, if you take a quarterback in round one, he usually starts at least at games. So I think people hadn't seen it in a long time. But Kyle and Mike Shanahan are old school. That's how they are. I mean, look at how long did Montana sit? And who did he sit behind? He sat behind Steve DeBerg. For a year and a half. Nothing against DeBerg. He was a good NFL backup. But Montana was clearly the better athlete, the better movement, had way better movement. Um, But he still sat. He was a a product of the 79 draft. He didn't get the starting job until 81. Yeah, hold on. I'm trying to look at how how old he was, too. He was 23. And as a rookie, 20. He didn't really – he wasn't a full-time starter until he was 25. Trey Lance is 22. I mean, theoretically, if Jimmy Garoppolo was going to start again this year, it wouldn't be outrageous in the history, in the, horse, in the historical context of football. It's just it isn't done anymore. Who's the it best really quarterback is. in the game? It's probably Rodgers. He sat for four years. Yeah, it's just ever since the um, the rookie wage scale came into effect, people are like, we got to get these guys on the field. Right. It's such an economic advantage. But the, the Kyle and John are super old school. Anyway. 
John's George says, great show, guys. BT Dub, Mike Silver mentioned about seven to 10 sources between him and Colin. They will talk more about his arm fatigue today. They're really milking this. Are they going to talk about um, Matthew Stafford's arm fatigue too? Because we're going to talk about that. You know, when, when I we asked Steve Young last week about uh, about arm fatigue, he laughed. He laughed. He laughed. Zachary, Zachary Couch says, Garoppolo knows Lance is better. Uh, listen to his last presser with Niners. Um, okay, I'll go back and listen to it again, Zachary. Sorry, I can't give you a better answer, but thank you for giving us the tip. The Jedi says, red shirt year, horrible idea, should have played the kid. Yeah, the red shirt year to me was very 1997. See, I, I I disagree because the one thing that you can't figure out is you can't figure out the game moves so much faster. The athletes are so much faster. The windows are so much smaller. So you don't really know how your quarterback's going to react to feeling more pressure. There's a saying, you got to learn what to do before you get physically beat up. So now Trey's got a much better idea of Kyle's offense, all the intricacies, the NFL game, the skill set of his receivers, the speed of each one of them. He's got reps with everybody. And I don't know if, if, if there's a real way to measure your comfort you know what i mean it's hard to measure comfort i can't prove it but i have a feeling what was kyle like eight games under 500 entering last season whatever he was if it was flipped and he was way above 500 i think he just would have gotten the growing pain year over with as opposed to delaying it because i feel like what last year was was you know making a run with jimmy garoppolo yeah but it was also sort of rehabilitating it's time to win it's time to win, man. You can't miss the playoffs four to five years. I don't care whose son you are or how good of a play designer you are. You need to make the playoffs. So I think you can't start a 21-year-old quarterback and be like, hey, man, save my job. I know you you just got here, and it's really my fault, but save my job, please. Because that's what he asked Jimmy to do, and Jimmy did it, and Kyle's like, all right, now you're out. <laughs> the number one, I mean, and you and I probably could, uh, you know, we'll probably have a doctorate in pissing people off, but I will say this. The number one thing that – I get a sense pisses all Niner people off from the coaches to the players is when you bring up Kyle Shanahan's actual record. Yeah. They don't want it. They're like, what? You always, oh, 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 the you first know. couple of years, that wasn't his fault. Do you know what he inherited? And, you know, all these, I mean, they, their fangs come out. They're pissed because they know that Kyle's a good coach and that you're trying to attack a good coach what do you want him out of here i mean i got into it with kawakami over this i've gotten into it with niner representatives vice presidents uh you know they do not want i mean everything else is like you are what your record says you are except for kyle's record he's way 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 better than his record says he is and don't even think about going down that road and i get you i get you i'm with you all right all right uh, you know I'll retreat back to my corner, but it is what it is. And I think there is some pressure to win games because of that record. He's still three games under 500. He was 10 and seven last year. They squeaked out that victory week 18 against the Rams. Let's say they lose that game to the Rams and they go nine and eight last year instead of 10 and seven. Then he'd be four games under 500. He would have missed the playoffs four to five years. And the conversation around him this offseason would be a whole lot different, a whole lot different. We're not talking about him and, and job security. I mean, we would have, though, if they'd lost that one game. It's pretty interesting. There was a lot at stake for him last year. 
Well, and it just it also kind of shows the difference in the NFL through the years. Bill Walsh went two and fourteen, and then he followed that up with two and fourteen, you know, and then he followed that up with I think six and ten. So they went thirteen and three in that fourth year, I believe. But they had had was the third year. Was it the third year? I thought he went. I thought they went. uh, Didn't they go two and fourteen? Two and fourteen? Six and ten? Seventy nine? Six and ten? In eighty? And then Super Bowl in eighty one? Okay, maybe the Niners. Maybe the Niners went two and fourteen, but yeah, maybe it was pre-Walsh. So he has a two and fourteen. Didn't he fire like two guys before? Didn't he go one and done on two guys before? Like Pete McCully and somebody else. Yeah, I mean, it was. I was a little kid at that time, but. <laughs> but it was, you know, my I guess at that point though, you know, you inherited a team and you were given that five years. Now it's like everything's dialed up and the speed's dialed up and you better turn it around now. I think Kyle Shan's, Shanahan's an excellent coach. I really do. I think he's Fortnite's best head coach in a long, long time. But I also think that he's he the, the Niner people bristle when you bring up his record, like, don't talk about it, you know. It's a it's a reflection of his own poor decision making. He's a bad decision maker. He's a good play designer. He's a great coach developer. And his great play, play caller. Until, play caller, play sequencer. Until the playoffs fourth quarter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He is. He can be. He can get very hot. He, his players play very hard for him too. They do. They don't. Decision, they don't shake it. His decision making in under pressure at the quarterback position in the offseason, just in general. Leaves a lot to be desired, but we've gone They've lost a lot of close games. Yeah. We told we, we talked about that was a couple streams ago. They're yeah. 20 and 26, one score games. They're 13 and 13. Yeah, not good. Swan Song says, is Larry going to be at Niners camp this week? Yes. Yes. The Jedi says, my problem is we're giving Jimmy credit as if he's a Hall of Fame or consistent Pro Bowl. That's sit nonsense case by case. Yeah, people are like, he's not perfect, but he's just a top 10 quarterback. Like, if no, if he were a top 10 quarterback, there'd be a market for him. Yeah. He's okay. like 17 to 20 in that range. That's true about Kyle. I'm not sure what I said, but thank you. All right, moving on. Half hour on the first topic. Do you think the Niners will excuse Jimmy Garoppolo from training camp? Yes. I don't think he's going to be there. So Yeah, okay. So what they did was they excused him from minicamp. And they said, look, you know, of course he could be here, but he's rehabbing. And why interrupt that? So we're just going to leave him be. You think they're going to say something like, you know, if he were healthy, but he's not. He's cleared, but he can't, not fully cleared. We're just going to leave him alone. He doesn't need to be here for this. Yeah, he will not be there. He will not be there, and they and, and they will not be concerned. But it is interesting. You, you The one thing you could not find at minicamp, rookie minicamp, or uh, the veteran minicamp, is anybody who claims that they spent any time with Jimmy. It's like he might as well be on a safari somewhere. Hey, Brian Greasy, have you talked to Jimmy? No. Nate Sudfeld, have you talked to Jimmy? No. No. Trey, have you talked? No. Brock, no. Kittle. So how do you bring him back into the locker room? How do you bring him back in the locker room? Hey, everyone say, hey, there he is. There's our guy. Can't happen. No. It's all about clerical stuff at this point, right? It's a very delicate dance, and I'm sort of enjoying them. It's like they're breakdancing. You know what I mean? It's like, wow, you just did like a whole spin on your head. Just to make this work, how did you do that? It's very impressive. It's and actually not. It's actually not the guy spinning on his head break dancing. They're more like the big guy who just face planted on the cardboard, who just went. <laughs> He's going for the worm and just the, broke his face at yeah. the end. You know, there was always one big guy. Everybody would do their yeah. thing, and then the big guy would come out and just literally belly flop on the cardboard right there on the gym floor, and everybody. Yeah, yeah. At, least got, at least they got the laughs. 
Yeah, I think they're going to have to excuse him. They're going to say, look, he's not healthy yet. He's, he's cleared, but he's working back. He can't make all the throws. I don't see how he ever steps foot in that locker room ever again. And I think what they're going to have to do is arrange private workouts for teams. Hey, come watch him practice yourself. That's the only thing I can. I mean, it's a beautiful Jimmy, world. Of video. Them. It's Jimmy, a beautiful world of video. They'll have some Jimmy. I'm sure Don Yee, wherever Jimmy is throwing, will have some camera there and he'll get that. He'll get that film, you know, out to the teams that want it. Yeah, it's going to be like doctored. You're going to have Jimmy Garoppolo throwing like 80 yards from both knees through the uprights and like Jamarcus Russell high-fiving him, Kyle Bowler there. Remember when <laughs> Kyle Bowler uh, became yes. first-round pick because he did that? That was great. That was so good. He's Kyle Bowler, did I ever tell my Kyle Bowler story? No. Tell me so Kyle his Bowler. agent was my buddy, and he's like, you got to get him on your show, man. got to get him on your show. So I, so I started talking to the kid, and I'm like – I'm like, uh, I was talking to the agent and I'm like, well, so where, where do you think the, where do you think he's going to go? And the agent's like, you know, we're just going to see who falls in love with him. We're just going to see who falls in love with him, which seemed like a really weird kind of uh, comment to make. So yeah. now I'm have Kyle on the show and this guy went to Berkeley and he's supposed to be really smart. And so I'm like, Kyle, so where, you know, where do you think you're going to wind up? And he's like, I'm just waiting to see who falls in love with me. I mean, he was like, oh, no. literally, he was literally parroting the agent speak. And I thought to myself, either this guy is really disciplined about he doesn't want to say too much or he's not the sharpest guy. And then maybe he got into Cal. I don't know, because so he's what a was, football you player. Asked the agent that question and the agent went to cause like, OK, Larry's going to ask you this question. <laughs> right. Just stay with this. Whoever falls in love with us, whoever yeah. falls in love with us. And then that was going to make everybody want him because he's on his knees. And he from the 50 yard line, he threw it through the goalposts. So My God, what a bust. Important. That was crazy. Most Swan Song says most important position to watch besides quarterback and camp. Offensive line. Oh yeah. my God, offensive line. Football it's starts so, on the O line. It's such a hard position to, to judge uh, in in practice, but you got to try because that's going to make or break their season. Jacob Mayhew says, "Grant, you should try to get a Trey interview." Yeah, I should try. I'll talk to him in in the locker room when they open that up. Um, when do when will they open it? As soon as they make cuts. I don't think they'll let us in there with ninety people in there. So it won't be until like uh, maybe before. Okay. September. Did you see that Trent Williams uh, took um, Jason Poe, the undrafted kid from Mercer and put him on his jet to fly him to camp. And Trent Williams told us at minicamp afterwards that he was impressed by Poe. So maybe Poe could be the guy who gives Jake Brendel a little run for his money there on that offensive line. But it's the O-line for sure, because we don't know about left guard. We don't know about center. We don't know about right guard. We don't know about right tackle. We really don't know what this line is going to look like, except for Trent Williams. So it's at, and, and everything you know starts with the O-line. So Poe, the O-line is Poe, vital. Is Poe a center pros, uh, project? Is he, is he, if he makes it, will he be a center in this league? I think so. Okay. I think he's a center. That. He's he's a leverage guy. He's strong. Um, and if you're gonna get if you're gonna be you know sub six two, you probably gotta play center. And he he played defensive line in college. I don't know his total background, but you I mean you can see the movement ability is 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 great. The strength is great. Um, there's a lot to like about Poe. There really is. I mean, I know he's Mercer and undrafted free. I mean, believe me, I get all that. But I would not be shocked if Jason Poe beat out Jake Brendel uh, and Donovan West and was the starting center. If I, if that happened, I would not be sitting there going, Whoa, wow, didn't see that coming. No, I, I could see that coming. I like the idea of signing an undrafted free agent every year who's a defensive tackle and converting him to offensive line because there is 
way too much of a disparity in athleticism in the NFL between O-line and D-line. And you need to start taking some of these athletic D-linemen who won't make it in the NFL and moving to offensive line. I think that's really smart. So good some of the, the best offensive linemen in history have been converted D-linemen. Or converted tight ends. Something's athletic. Joe Staley was a converted tight end. Tackles are converted tight ends, but guards are oftentimes converted D-tackles. So remember that Remember that gigantic uh, guy, Reuben Brown? I, I forget what team he played for, but he was a, he was a D-lineman at Pitt. Then they switched him to O-line. He had three or four really good years in the NFL. The Gold Rush 561 says, what's going on with Trey Sermon? He's got a lot great in the minicamp. Thought he looked great. Yeah. For whatever reason, I don't know what it is, but when they drafted another running back in round three, they put him on notice. So he definitely has to continue to play well. They're um, stacked at running back. I mean, they are stacked. I think I think they've got literally every guy that I saw there outside of Hasty could probably be a starter in the NFL. I mean, they they've got they've got five starters in Hasty. And they're probably, I mean, Mitchell can start. Wilson can start. Davis Price can start. I think Sermon can start. I even think the kid, the undrafted guy out of G-Tech's got starter cap, uh, traits. Uh, Hasty's yeah, more of a, a, more of a got, smaller back. Hasty's probably going to make the team, though. He's their third down back. I mean, he's, I know. And he's good at that. And and he's tough. I mean, yeah. he's a tough, he's little, but he's tough. So I'm just saying, he, they, got a, they're, they were, they have an abundance of riches at running back. Swanson says rank position importance on Niners secondary position importance just in general or what they well, mean? I would say that nickel spot is, is hugely important. And then the deep, the free safety spot. I mean, to me, those are the two spots, the nickel with the two way break and the free safety and a cover three where you got to have a single high and you got a ton of grass to cover. And those guys I think are going to be, Jimmy Ward starting at free safety, and I think Samuel Womack is going to be the starter at nickel. Matthew Stafford is on a pitch count. His elbow is sore. It's just the beginning of training camp, and they already have to monitor him. This is really interesting because if this were Trey Lance, oh, my goodness, the sky would be falling. Just the, the, the rumor that it happened to Trey Lance once is breaking news, huge news. But for Matthew, Matthew Stafford, it's no big deal. Because he's proven. What do you think of this? Um, I think it's it's not uncommon for NFL quarterbacks to, uh, especially early on in the off season, um, you know, as far as the, you know, early on in the beginning of camp, I should say, when they're throwing a lot, to have some have some you know uh, pain and some soreness because it's unnatural and you're doing it a lot. Uh, but then I think you break through those adhesions and then it becomes a non-factor. I just think I, I bring this back to the Niners. Like this is a great example of how Trey Lance, his inexperience and the fact that no one's really seen him. They'll just weaponize anything about him. Arm fatigue for Trey Lance. It's a huge deal for Matthew Stafford. It's no big deal. That just shows you that really any criticism of Trey Lance is rooted in mystery. And until he plays a full season, everything is going to be a topic. And he won't be able to do anything well enough. If he wins this season, all this stuff will be buried. He's just nitpick central because he hasn't played. I want to see the when Trey comes out in September and plays great, I want to see all the receipts. I yeah. want some – I'm not going to do the work because I don't give a crap enough. But – I would like somebody else who has a little bit more anal uh, retentiveness to their personality to go, go get the receipts from all these different people who had all kinds of questions and concerns. 
I'd like to see, I'd like to see those people. I'd like to see those people have to own their critiques because I think a lot of their critiques were just like filler, just filler. When Mike Silver and Colin Cowherd talked about, um, or when they talk about Trey Lance's arm fatigue, they say it in a way that's like, see, he's not gonna, he's not ready. He's not good enough. It's not going to work out. This is a deal breaker. But then Matthew Stafford just won a Super Bowl, has arm fatigue, and people are like, that's a non-story. Who cares? It'll be fine. Everything's a deal breaker for, for Trey Lance. Oh, he he actually didn't look both he didn't look both ways when he made that left turn. I saw it's a deal. That's his terrible decision, mate. He's a terrible person. Everything he does. Anyway, I know it's not about Trey Lance, but it just keeps it in perspective. Is it? The only thing I can think of, somebody was asking me about the criticism for Lance earlier this month. And I said, is it possible that Carson Wentz's career arc is impacting this a little bit? The fact that he played there, he was built up, he had an MVP type year. And then, I mean, there were a couple passes last year with the Colts that were just god awful. It's like, what? That was like the worst thing I've ever seen. I mean, on your back foot, guy all over you just floated up. You know, just these these panic passes. And I wonder if he, if Wentz's struggles and his kind of movement now around the league has made people go, you know, we got to really critique uh, Trey because they're coming out of the same system. And look at Wentz. I don't know. What do you think? I think so. I think that's sort of like unspoken, but it a lot of the um, underlying logic of Lance can't possibly work out is he went to North Dakota State, went to an FCS school for one year. You know, like who is who has ever worked out doing that? And you can't say Carson Wentz. So that's the kind of the point. And it's the same thing with Justin Fields, too. Like what Ohio State quarterback has ever been good? I'm betting against Justin Fields being the exception. Okay, but that's pretty much the logic behind it. There's also just because um, Lance held the ball a little bit in in his first couple games and Fields holds the ball, you know, quite a bit. I mean, for a guy who runs four, four flat, he's been sacked an awful lot of times when you look at last year and going back to Ohio State. I think it's almost like people who see guys who have physical skills who then hold the ball a little bit too much early and they like they can't process. They can't process. And that's what I thought was interesting. What Steve Young said this week is like he he believes in Trey as an elite processor of what he sees. And now it's about the mechanics and getting the ball there there on time and on time seems like kind of an easy concept but it's not and it's you know that why that's why i thought mac jones was so impressive this last year is that yeah the, the arm the ball wasn't always great the speed wasn't but the ball comes out on time and i can see why shanahan liked that probably in mac jones and i can see that that being an area where they got to really coach trey he's got to put in all those reps so that the ball comes out on time. He's going to process what he sees. He's going to go to the right guy. He's going to find the right guy. But can he get it there on time? Yeah, but one of the nice things that's one of the things I like most about Trey Lance is if you're getting a quarterback who's mobile, what you want him to do is escape pressure. But a lot of mobile quarterbacks run into pressure. A lot of mobile quarterbacks get sacked a lot. Russell Wilson, Lamar Jackson, Justin Fields, not Trey Lance, not in college, not in the NFL. He got sacked less than Jimmy Garoppolo, despite holding the ball a lot longer than him. And I think that shows he's a good decision maker and he's really elusive and strong. I think that's one of the best parts of his game. The other thing that hasn't translated yet is the lack of interceptions. His interception percentage was exactly as like Jimmy's last year. I think it'll be lower. But the I, do, sack, I agree. Like, not getting sacked already showed up in his game. And when he does like pass up on a quick throw, 
he can make a bigger play. And that's uh, good things happen. So I mean, yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see because if it, he's got the weapons around him, Grant, where if Shanahan wants to get him in an early rhythm, getting the ball out of his hands, you know, he, he Trey could potentially get into a phenomenal early season run uh, because he does have so many run after the catch weapons. Yeah, absolutely. They're going to make his uh, numbers look better than they really are. Swan Song says, hypothetical, bigger Bay Area excitement and celebration. Niners winning a Super Bowl or Warriors repeating his chance. Niners, there's no comparison. There's, there's no, no comparison. comparison. No. The Niners are – the Niners – and people say, well, why? The NFL is huge. Yep. Um, you know, Boston's the biggest Red Sox baseball town there is. Patriots have now eclipsed the Red Sox. And I have friends who live there that I got Patriots are bigger Um, because the NFL is bigger. The NFL is bigger than the NBA. The NFL is bigger than Major League Baseball. And then you mix in the fact that the Niners got here first. And that's a big thing. So their 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 lineage uh, with Bay Area fans runs the deepest because they got here in the 40s. It's like asking. It's like asking what would mean more to Dallas, back-to-back championships from the Mavericks or one more championship from the Cowboys. What do you think? Yeah. yeah. All right. Name the player under the most pressure this season for the 49ers other than Trey Lance because it's always the quarterback. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple. There's a couple. I, I think it's a close heat. I would say Javon Kinlaw because – He's replacing a very, very good player who played and played and played and played hurt and was, you know, a key to their defense in DJ Jones. So I think Kinlaw, absolutely, where he was drafted, the trade involving Buckner, um, the fact that Kinlaw has not done it to this point. Kinlaw's got the talent, but he also has the pressure. Everybody knows he's been somewhat disappointing. Um, He's got to fire. And I'll say the other one is a little bit more of a sleeper pick, but I'm going to say George Kittle. George Kittle needs to stay healthy. Look at the backup tight ends. You got Charlie Warner. He's a tryhard blocker. You got Ross Dwelly. He's a really nice, um, you know, sticky hands receiver. I love Jordan Matthews. I think he's going to be a sleeper in this camp. I love he's 236 pounds and he still makes plays down the field. He's bulked up his upper body. He still has maintained some speed. I think he could be the movement tight end piece for them. But Kittle, there's a huge drop-off in run blocking, in in pass blocking, in every – there's a swagger that George Kittle brings to the Niners. They go as he goes in a lot of ways, and he's just – he's been hurt. He's had he's missed time. He's had a hard time staying on the field, uh, and it's partially because of how tough he is and how hard he plays. To me, those two guys, Kinlaw on the D – uh, Trey, uh, uh, George Kittle on the O. Those guys have to perform. I'm not arguing. I like those two names. To me, the type of pressure, though, that those two guys are under are different. Kittle, the, the type of pressure you describe is like pride. You know, I've made a lot of money. I've made my reputation, but people are kind of writing me off or I want to prove that I'm not over the hill or I want to prove that I'm still in my prime. All of that. That's a good kind of pressure. Kinlaw is more of like almost financial. Are they going to pick up my fifth year option? You know, am I going to, I mean, that's, that's the toughest, that's a tough one for a young guy. First couple of years didn't go my way and it wasn't even my fault. I was hurt, but now no more excuses. I can't get hurt this year. If I miss eight games with a knee injury, they'll use it against me. You know, like all, all of this matters. And if it doesn't go my way, I'm not going to get, I mean, that fifth year option is a lot of guaranteed money. It's a big deal for any person's life. 
And, uh, you know, I mean, for him, I think he doesn't – do you, do you know if they're going to pick up the fifth-year option? I mean, I think it depends. I don't think they know. I, I would assume they're going to because he's that kind of a talent. I mean, I think he's I think he's got a huge amount of talent. I think Kinlaw's got an ability to be a Pro Bowl caliber player. But it, as you said, I mean, it's 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 go time for him, yeah. and he knows it. I mean, and it just and it's partially because of him, but it's also partially because of the rest of the structure of that D line. Armstead's terrific, but like, what is Mo Hurst? What is Kerry Hyder Jr. at this point? How good is Ridgeway? Can Givens anchor against the run? Is Kalia Davis healthy? Um, you know, even they just pr- brought up, they just assigned this kid, Kem Diche, who was very, very good at Ole Miss, but um, you know, he's floated around a little bit. I mean, they don't have a DJ Jones other than Kinlaw, a two-gapper who can take on a double team, strong enough to split it, really could be a, a game, you know, a game wrecker and, and an A gap guy who just shuts it all down inside. Kinlaw's got the ability to do it. He's got to do it, though. He's got to do it. DJ did it. Now Kinlaw's got to do it. And when the Niners didn't have DJ in the Super Bowl against the Chiefs, it cost them dearly. So, I mean, not having this run stuffer inside is absolutely a huge element of the 49ers being a dominant defense. Like, I'm, I'm quietly a little concerned that the D line may take. A backslide this year if Drake Jackson's not ready to go and Kinlaw's not healthy and there's an injury or two up front. Um, I think the secondary is going to be way better than it's been in the past. But if you told me the D line was going to be worse than it was than what it was last year, I wouldn't I wouldn't disagree with you. I think that's a major point, and Kinlaw is probably the biggest individual in that whole discussion. Um, year three for f- former first round picks is just very stressful in general. So not just Javon, but Brandon too, Brandon Ayuk. Like he's had a good career so far, but he was, it didn't start off great last season. And that fifth year option for wide receivers is expensive. The Niners are spending a lot of money on Kittle and probably Debo too. I wonder if they're, uh, if they'll have the budget for Ayuk too, especially if he doesn't have a thousand yard season this year. So I think there's some pressure for him to perform as well. If he doesn't, he get traded. I have no idea if the Niners see him in their future plans. Don't know. So yeah, I, I mean, it's they're almost, you know, all options are on the table with that one. Yeah. Flav, Flav, big Flav in the house says Trent Williams, not under any pressure job wise, but if he isn't good this year, this could be the worst offensive line ever. And Trey might perish. Well, sure. <laughs> Guys, flames. Uh, wow, that was pretty dark. You see that one coming? He's gonna die uh, out there. I don't know. I mean, I saw him in 2020 be really good. And the Niners lead the league in quarterback hits allowed, so it's bigger than him. It's only so much one offensive lineman can do. Yeah. A. Gaiman says Jimmy and Castle the same quarterback. Thanks for earlier. Okay, not when you look at like um, completion percentage, but when you look at their win loss records and the fact that they were both backups for Brady. And their touchdown interception ratio, they had a very similar three-year run. Castle never did anything in the playoffs. But, yeah, there are similarities. I'd say Jimmy probably has a more def- – I mean, Castle's a pretty good-looking guy too. I don't know. Hard to say. I, I would say Jimmy's a little bit better quarterback overall. But Jimmy also, I think, has played more. And I think the league's more aware of Jimmy's weaknesses, you know, as time goes on. So, you know, I think ultimately they're probably very similar. But I, if you had to rank them, definitely on the career accomplishments, i put Jimmy over Castle. I'd love this. Castle, what do you play for? Todd Haley? 
who was the, the the coordinator in Kansas City ten years ago? I one thing people don't talk about with Jimmy might have been Jimmy Ray. It might have been Jimmy Ray. What people don't talk about with Jimmy is he's gotten to play for Josh McDaniels and Kyle Shanahan. That's it. That, he's blessed. I'd love to see what happens if he had to go play for some stiff the way that Alex Smith had to over and over and over again, and even Colin Kaepernick did to an extent. Like Jimmy's been blessed with the coach he's gotten to play for. I'm curious to see where he ends up next, and if Don Yee lets him play for someone who's not so good. How that'll go. He's it, it, you know, does he want to play or does he want to sit? I mean, there might be better situations as far as coaching and, and successful teams where he's sitting. Would he rather sit or would he rather just play? And maybe he's playing on the Texans. Well, if he sits, then his stock really depends on Trey. Because if Trey plays poorly and Jimmy doesn't do anything, he could be like, see, I was the reason that team won. But if Trey wins, there's nothing Jimmy can say anymore. He's like, uh, I guess I really wasn't important to that team and my numbers weren't that good either. So I'll take whatever. I don't know. I think that's dangerous if he sits out. Of you. You, really- I, you know, I'm, I'm really eager to see where he goes to, because there's just so many, um, you know, so many variables. How much did the night did Trey, did Shanahan make, make, uh, make uh, Jimmy or did, you know, did the 49er uh, skills around him, you know, the, the run game, the defense and all the surrounding cast make Jimmy look better than he was, or, you know, is Jimmy a real talent and, and we didn't appreciate him enough here. Put Jimmy Jeep with Chris. Chris and watch him fold. Yeah, or Chip Kelly. Yeah, Chip Kelly. Let's call. Let's call plays super fast. <laughs> let's we'll go three and out faster than anyone else. Yeah. Flav says McGlinchey too. Yeah, you know McGlinchey probably. I mean, he was a solid starting right tackle who probably had a ten-year career waiting for him. But this injury is serious. He has to prove that he's going to be the same decent enough offensive tackle that he was before. I can see it. Uh, McGlinchey, the the news that I heard, Grant, was that that he he was saying this or last week that it the injury it wasn't the 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 uh, muscle it was a tendon injury it wasn't that the muscle got pulled off the bone and kind of crawled up his leg and they didn't have to reattach it and there wasn't so maybe they caught a break there on that because that would have made that injury more career threatening from what I from what I'm understanding and I'm not a doctor but it may, it sounded like it could have been let's say on a scale of one to ten a ten as far as severity and maybe it's more like a six. So, you know, that would be good news because he's, in, you know, is ninth pick in the draft. Okay. You know, whatever, but he's a right tackle, but uh, he still is considerably better than whoever they're going to put in there if they went with school or whatever. Um, so they need, they need McGlinchey back badly. Good. I'm uh, rooting for him. You know, in your interview this week with Steve, when he was talking about Trey being like painfully earnest, that's McGlinchey. McGlinchey is painfully earnest. He is a seems like a really nice guy. Almost too nice. Maybe not too nice. Anyway, I'm rooting for him. He's a super nice guy. Carmelo says Jimmy G on even years. He gets injured 2016, 2018, 2020. That's why I trade the starter. Yeah, just go back and forth. Just have Jimmy. No, nah, but even in the odd years, well, I don't know. I hear Jimmy. I mean, I think that you know what? I, I kind of disagree on this. Now, Carmelo, no offense, because I think you're you're hitting a good point. But I think it's much easier to criticize. Um, a player getting hurt because you're on way more solid ground. He either is or isn't in there. And when he's not in there, there's no debate about it. But I think they, the Niners, if you really gave him truth serum and you talked to John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan, that their concerns or things that they didn't like about Garoppolo far go far beyond just the availability factor. Oh, no question about it. 
All right, let's um, get to our next topic. Hold on, hold on. Comment, gets you up thing. All right, high tech show. Big question for Larry. Who will be the biggest camp disappointment in your opinion? Well, well, you know, the 49ers have had a very, very spotty history uh, at the top of the draft. So I'm going to say Drake Jackson. Mm -hmm. Based on what I saw, I don't see Drake Jackson. I don't see Drake Jackson even beating out Ebukam or Kamoko Ture or Jordan Willis or Charles Amenehue. Um, I think that there's a need for Drake Jackson to be D Ford. And in an ideal world, he shows up lightning fast and he's way better than those guys. But I think those guys will be better than Drake Jackson. And I think that is going to be viewed as, wow, the Niners are a little unhappy with that because Drake Jackson was a second round pick. Uh, they talked him up an awful lot when they drafted him and they talked him up a ton in the mini camp like oh my god you would think they were talking about a young lawrence taylor uh, i didn't see that so maybe when the pads come on and it will look a lot different maybe when training camp shows up he won't ha he'll be have a better body weight and look lean and mean but based on what i've seen i think ebukam teray amenahue and willis will all be better than drake jackson i mean the way they're talking about him he should win every one-on-one -on -one rep he's at unless he's going against Trent Williams. I mean, there should be no one on this team who can block him, at least no offensive tackle. So we'll see about that. I'm curious. I'm skeptical. I'm looking at the offensive line. Everyone on the Niners are saying like, yeah, we believe in Aaron Banks. He, you know, last year was just a red shirt year, but he was hurt and now he's remade his body. He's good. He's our starter. Really? I saw him in one-on-ones last year. He didn't look any much, any better than that. I mean, he looked like one of the worst offensive linemen on the team last year. So I'd like to see, is this a whole new different Aaron Banks or is it the same Aaron Banks? It's fine to give him an opportunity to win the job. But if he is a huge disappointment, they got to trade for someone. And they, you know, they did this in 2017. They gave Josh Garnett a chance. It didn't work out. They traded for Lake and Thomas in week two. So, I mean, there's still an opportunity to get someone else in here. But what's the story? Because, I mean, Drake Jackson, he's allowed to take some time. Was he 21? He's not going to start. Aaron Banks is supposed to freaking start. So I'm curious to see on that one. Yeah, that's a good one, too. Uh, there's no doubt. Um, you know, there's not it, I don't think there's going to be, you know, lots of, of disappointing players. I mean, some years, some guys, some teams, they go to camp and there's five, six, seven guys that are hugely disappointing. I don't see that in this camp. I really don't. They 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 got a lot more sure things. I think they got a pretty good handle on their on their talent base. But Jackson's a guy who a lot. You know, that's a big investment, a second round pick. I mean, really, what we're talking about are two second round picks, Banks and Drake. Jackson and you know John Lynch right now um, has hit on some of his day three picks and definitely hit on some of the undrafted guys but man there's their track record in the first three rounds day one and day two of the draft is downright spotty I mean you take away the one year where they got Debo and and Bosa and Bosa was like dropped in their lap they had the second pick in the draft um, you know it, their their run at the, with their day one and day two picks is not good no uh, Will Craig says the biggest disappointment would be Jimmy Garoppolo still being on the team. That's probably <laughs> that's fair. The Ramilia Sports Report says, Grant, you said Niners might not make the playoffs nine and eight. That means Kyle's still under 500 going into next season. As we speak, he's 39 and 42 as a Niner head coach. Ouch. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I thought there might be a little more urgency this offseason to spend their money. But no. Hey, from Kyle's perspective, maybe the best money, best the best use of that money is a good backup quarterback. I don't know. He doesn't seem to have much conviction in that position. He just doesn't. He always seemed to be second guessing himself there. 
I, if I had to go with another disappointing guy, I'm going to say Sudfeld at, at um, you know, what, whatever they gave him, what, two years and eight million or whatever it was. Oh, or Yeah. They gave him guaranteed uh, I, money too. I didn't see it. I didn't see it. I, I didn't. I I've looked at him at Indiana. Don't see it. Looked at him in camp. Don't see it. Just don't see it. I, I, maybe I. You know. Maybe this guy's an incredible interview. Maybe he's awesome in the meetings. Um, I'm not seeing it. I, I think there's very little chance that Sudfeld beats Purdy. Who will be the most two. high profile? Who will be the most high profile player to get cut at the end of camp on the 49ers? That is a really tough one. Um, I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be Ross Dwelly. Woo! He is so yeah. high profile. Him and his four catches every year. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know if he's They're high profile. They might as well. I, I I would say Jordan Matthews put on twenty pounds. Jordan Matthews was like two fifteen. He's like two thirty eight now. He looks good. He looks he looks really good, yeah. and I just think that Jordan Matthews has has you know better wheels than Ross Dwelly. He's more of a speed threat. The NFL is always going to speed more speed and more speed after that, and I just think if you, the Niners want to add a speed element to their offense, they did it with Danny Gray, they did it with Ty Davis Price, and they could do it again. By having you know Kittle and Warner, and instead of going with Dwelly, go with Jordan Matthews. And I think Jordan Matthews, if he's if he can, I don't know if he can maintain that weight. Some guys put on weight in the offseason. Once they start running around, they it all falls off of them, especially if they're an, a, a smaller guy trying to get bigger. Um, this guy looked like he put on extra weight and kept his speed. And so if that's the case, Jordan Matthews as a movement tight end may have a better career in the NFL going forward than he has than he had as a wide receiver with, you know, a possession receiver is what he was before. I, I think that's, you know, and sometimes putting on weight is not a one year ad. And it took him some time. And he's kind of been in kind of NFL limbo. And I know a lot of people going thinking, my God, Jordan Matthews is a is a borderline NFL player at all. But I, what I saw in minicamp was a guy who was closer to 240 and making catches down the field and still running like a receiver, but with the with the added upper body strength of a of a tight end. So I'm looking for Jordan Matthews to 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 you know show him uh, you know to probably bump Dwelly. So the fact that you think Ross Dwelly is going to be the most high profile cut is is means that you're saying the Niners are not going to cut Jimmy Garoppolo. No, I don't. I I don't think that. I think Shanahan's made it clear they're not going to cut him. And I, 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 you know, he's. I I don't think Shanahan want. He wouldn't have gone down, double down, triple down on this take that he's not going to be cut if he really thought that he was going to have to fall back on that later on. That's a statement that you make when you know you got to trade, right? I yeah, I guess. Or secretly, he wants the safety net for one more year. For one year, I don't know. I guess we'll find out. I'm going to go with um, Colton McKivitz. I mean, it's not that big of a name, but he started left tackle week 18. Uh, I just don't – I mean, unless they keep – I don't think they're going to – I don't think there's a spot for him. They got Spencer Burford. They got Jalen Moore. I don't think there's a spot for him. They may be able to keep him on their practice squad, but I think uh, he's out. Also, Dante Johnson, the guy's always in the team. I don't know. Jordan Willis, are those guys high-profile? Maybe Jason Verrett, if he doesn't show anything. Mm, Jason Verrett's interesting. I think Verrett will make it. I'll, I'll tell you the one that I'm kind of worried about, and I'm and and we've already kind of hit on it. 
I think if he doesn't fire, I, I I don't think Aaron Banks is on this team. I think Aaron Banks is only on this team as a starter. He's a starter at left guard or he's traded or, you know, he won't be cut because he's too high of a pick, but he'd be traded for like a day three pick. Pedro, Which, that would not shock me. Uh, that makes sense. Pedro Paulo says, Colin, the herd. Jimmy Garoppolo is the most underrated quarterback in the NFL. Also, Colin about Lance. I hate when people try to oversell a player. WTF. Yeah, me too, Colin. What are you talking about? The most underrated player in the NFL? It's gotten out of hand. This has gotten out of hand. <laughs> I mean, I know everybody likes him, but he does. How do you How do you call a guy who makes the same mistake over and over and over again and in the biggest game of his year last year couldn't get one first down? In the I mean, two biggest sequences, two biggest series of the with the, a, a chance to go to the Super Bowl, how did he play those final two series? Horrendous in the Super Bowl against Kansas City. How did he play? Horrendous. I mean, I think it's fair to to point out like he has a very good completion percentage, career sixty seven point seven. His yards per attempt is very high, eight point four. But that stuff is largely attributed to the system he's been in and the uh, supporting cast he's had. What's crazy for a quarterback who's had this kind of like statistical success, 71 touchdown, 38 picks in his career, not even two to one. That really shows you how overrated he is. Despite well, all the, the players he's played with and the coaches he's had, you can't even get to two to one. First of all, I mean, I, what I would say to Colin Cowherd is, so Cal, Colin, let's review your statement. He's the most underrated player in the NFL quarterback is far and away the most valuable position in the NFL. And you're saying that the most underrated player in the NFL happens to be a quarterback and he was available. And yet every team in the NFL didn't want the most underrated player in the entire league at the most valuable position. I mean, that's why camp should have started three weeks ago because all this talk is just a bunch of bullshit. Thank you, Larry. I mean, seriously. Thank you. That Stop was very well talking. Put. That was very well put. All right. I mean, let's end it on Robert Kemdice, newest 49er, plays Javon Kinlaw's position. Do you think he'll make the team? Why is he here? What are your thoughts on this signing? Well, I love Kim DJ at Ole Miss. I mean, first of all, he he wore number five. It seems like they give number five at Ole Miss to to special players. There's he was the Matt, number one recruit coming out of high school. Regardless, yeah, of he's a monster talent. He's a yeah. monster talent, and I just really believe that when you can take a massive talent and put him who you know what's Kim DJ's issue. The people that I've talked about talked to about him have said, ah, you know, he blows a little hot and cold as far as motivation. Perfect. Chris Kocherik. Yeah. You take a massive talent like Kim DJ and put him next to a defensive line coach who's got a very simplistic plan and he's a tremendous motivator around a bunch of other really talented players where he's got to show or he'll get bounced. I like that equation. I like this pickup. I like taking a chance on a massive talent in this situation when you have the right coach to get it out of them. So I, I like the pickup. And I, if I was, you know, that was, when I see Kim Dice, it makes me think that, guess what? Mo Hurst, Kerry Hyder, Kevin Givens, Hassan Ridgeway, one of those guys is probably going to be the highest profile cut if Kim Dice fires. Well, I think they want depth at the defensive tackle spot. They have a ton of DNs. But last year, I think they kept six defensive tackles on their team. 
wide nine, you can't be light at D tackle. You can't be on. It's really important. Otherwise, you can't stop the run. You can't do anything. So I think this is a good, an intriguing signing. He could make the team if they cut him. They might be able to keep him on the practice squad. He's been on three of the four NFC West teams so far, everyone except for the Rams. And I think this guy is someone who could actually push Javon. I think someone needs to push Javon. I know Javon's had injury issues, but he needs to have someone to compete with at camp every day. And Kamdicha, I mean, just a guy really at this point, but he's very talented. He's only 27. I think it's fair. We should bring out the best of Javon. Well, and also let's look at last year. I mean, you know, last year I was looking at the camp um, D-line, you know, depth chart and thinking, man, they're stacked. They're loaded. They're absolutely the deepest D-line I've ever seen. Well, what happened? What did what, had the season play out? You know, they had to trade for guys like Jordan Willis and Charles Menehue. So yeah. that's what happens. It's like it's like starting pitching in baseball. You can never have enough D linemen uh, because if you can't move that quarterback off the spot, then it's like game over. And so you know if what? You can't stop the run up the gut. It's definitely game over. Yeah. So why yeah. not just stack up as many guys? I don't care if you got to show up in camp with twenty D linemen. The reality is, is guys get hurt. Yeah. Ford's moving on. Kalia Davis may have to have a redshirt year. Um, you know, is Ridge is Ridgeway in good enough shape? Um, is can Kevin Givens play the run? You know, is Mo Hurst healthy? And can Kerry Hyder give you another good season? He's kind of an undersized guy, especially if you got to play him at, for any extended period of snaps. So they got, you know, they and Kinlaw's had, you know, perennial issues staying on the field with that knee. So I just think they look at their D line and they said, you know what? We were stacked last year. We still need to trade day three picks in the future for reinforcements. So let's add another guy. One thing I wanted to I want to bring this up during the Stafford section. I missed it, but I want to say is like Stafford is a he is a Super Bowl winning quarterback, and he's very good. But the Niners beat him twice last year. He's not a great quarterback. He makes bad decisions like Jimmy Garoppolo, and um, you can sack him. He's not that mobile. If you can't sack him, if you let him hold the ball three seconds, he can make breathtaking throws down the field. He will kill you. And I think in that last game, in by the you know in the fourth quarter. They sort of they couldn't get to Matthew Stafford anymore. But in the in that week 18 game, week 18 game, they swarmed him. So if they can stick to that script and have a better pass rush than last year, they still match up very well with the Rams. They gotta figure out a way to cover Cooper Cup. I yeah. mean they we should re- call and tell I them mean, that. We, Maybe they didn't realize. Well, and you, you know, here's the thing. Go look at the box scores from the, the previous games. The Rams, I believe Cooper Cup caught like seven, one of those games. He caught seven balls on seven attempts. They yeah. never forced an incompletion on, from Stafford to Cooper Cup. No. So, I mean, and the Rams just went away from it. And then that one game they were trying to, the Rams were trying to show how tough they were. So they kept running Sony Michelle and running and running and running. And it's like, hey, that's not your advantage. Your advantage is you have Cooper Cup and the Niners don't have anybody to cover them. And when it got to the NFC Championship game, when the money was on the table, they figured it out and said, you know what? Wait a second. We'll just keep going to Cooper Cup. And the Niners still couldn't cover it. The, the Rams were like, oh, we have an all pro wide receiver. And the Niners were like, do we have an all pro wide receiver? I forgot. <laughs> yeah. Juice Man Jeremy says next week, new week, new donation is July 25. And guess what, Grant? What? What? I don't know. Tell me. Don't tell me Jimmy Garoppolo is still on the team. I can't bear to hear it. <laughs> NY Niners 718 says we only lost to LA because we played them three times. 
and there's something to that. And you can take Niner fans can take heart in the fact that they do own the Super Bowl champions. So, well, I mean, and also, you know what? Sometimes you got to give credit where credit is deserved. Look at that Ram D line and what they did to Joe Burrow and the Bengals in the Super Bowl. Seven sacks. They owned it. They owned the Bengals O line. Now the Bengals O line was bad. So that that is the big question for the 49ers is their O-line. They reinforced it. Can they stay healthy? Can they find guys to play those other interior spots? Is McGlinchey healthy? Can the Niners – and if there's one question that sums up the entire season, can the Niners O-line block the Rams D-line and other great D-lines? That's the question of the year. If they can do that, they're going to win. If they can't do that, Trey's going to get hurt. We're going to see Sudfeld. We're going to see Purdy. And we're going to be talking about, you know, we're going to be talking about Jimmy. We're going to be talking about the O-line in the draft. We're going to be looking up O-linemen in the Big Ten. I mean, it, it, it's can the Niner O-line block the best D-lines in football, most notably the Rams? Biggest question of the year. We know Brunskill can block Aaron Donald. He's had success we, against him head to head. We don't know about Banks. We don't know about Brendel. We don't know about McGlinchey 2.0. We'll find out. Ashawn Robinson kicked their ass when when the money was on the table. Ashawn Robinson kicked ass. That can't happen again. Can you can't have Ashawn Robinson kicking people around when you've got Leonard Floyd, Von Miller, and Aaron Donald all next to him? And that's what happened in the championship game. Ashawn Robinson was awesome. He really was. Also, people don't talk about this, but the Rams initially went from not being able to stop the Niners run game to really shutting it the hell down. And I think they've adjusted and this whole like gouging the Rams on the ground, only playing 10 and 11 football is probably over. And if you want to stick to the script of owning uh time of possession, I think you're going to need Trey Lance in here. Now I think this run game is going to be a lot. How can the run game be worse when you're playing on 11, 11 on 11 football as opposed to 10 on 11? We saw this happen with Colin Kaepernick and Alex Smith. It's going to be a better run game this year. That's going to help against the Rams. They could be a really good team this year as long as they can keep Trey Lance healthy. Well, well the other thing I think was a fail on the on Kyle's part was the Rams brought it, you know, brought in Eric Weddle. Eric Weddle was everything Eric Weddle was going to do was going to be up on the line of scrimmage against the run. Everything ever all the impact he was going to have was going to be within 5 yards of the line of scrimmage. They didn't make Eric Weddle play pass coverage and you know, he made the biggest play of the biggest play of the year right at the line of scrimmage. Um, and then they they should have isolated him, forced him into some kind of coverage down the field and exploited his ass. And they just couldn't do it. And so they the they allowed the Rams to sign a, a guy off the street who could not run. And the 49ers didn't force him to run. So that, that was a that was a colossal fail. And now now he re-retired, but now he's got a ring. All right, Flav wants a little bit more of this work before we leave. He says only five bucks this time, so he doesn't really put in his – he's not really saying this with his chest. Trace <laughs> three yard and two starts was 28, LOL. At one point, he put up three points and two INTs through six quarters, uh, but playoff Jimmy and his 50 QBR was horrendous, right? This is the last gasp of a Jimmy Garoppolo fan. It's really, really pathetic to watch it play out. But I want to just point out, he's just kind of like picking and choosing stats. I can do that too. They had the same numbers last year. Jimmy Garoppolo's quarterback rating was 98. Lance's was 97. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo's yards per attempt was 8.6. Trey's was 8.5. Jimmy Garoppolo's yards per completion was 12.7. Trey's was 14.7. They had the same numbers. 
One was 21 with no experience. One was 30. I just don't understand what people are trying to look for these like gotcha points of evidence. Like it's not there. It's not there. Where, where's Kyle Shanahan's responsibility in that first start? They ran their backup quarterback 16 times. I think nine of them might have been uh, scrambles, but seven of them were designed quarterback runs with no blocking. I mean, that, that game plan against Arizona was not Kyle's finest moment. So Kyle's got to own that as much. Then in that Houston game, I thought the O-line really got their lunch handed to them by, by a Texans defensive front that on paper is not supposed to be special. So Trey, I thought, played well despite um, his line in that Texans game. I, you know, and, and the old saying, too, don't forget it. Stats lie and liars use statistics. I can come up with a statistic that, 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 will, that will paint any picture I want to paint. And, and obviously you can too. Good job, Flav. That's the show. Thanks for watching. Larry, what you got going on the rest of the day? Uh, tomorrow morning, I'm going to be on the KTVU uh, morning show uh, with, with Sal Castaneda talking about camp. So I'm doing that. Wednesday, I will be at the first day of camp. Uh, Thursday, I will be on 9 to noon on, on 95.7 The Game from the Hilton across the street from camp. And then Friday, Saturday, Sunday, we'll be at camp and I'll be bringing lots of stuff to the Krug show, videos, interviews, uh, camp audio, camp video, lots of breakdown, camp, camp rehashes. Hopefully Grant and I will sit down a number of times and talk Niner football throughout camp. So a lot of Niner content on the Krug show. Uh, we're checking, you know, check it out. We're around 5,200, I believe in, in subscribers and it's growing. It's good. It's fun. So thank you to everybody who supports the channel. Flav says Trey season QBR inflated from letting Jimmy do all the work and poaching some gimme TDs. His QBR would be terrible if he had to play the full game. I mean, Flav is a he can actually predict the future. Um, how, how does how does how did Jimmy do the work when Trey Lance averaged four, 14.7 yards per completion? How did them both having the same yards per attempt? How is that Jimmy doing the work? Think about that, Flav. You have a homework assignment. I don't want you to donate me any more money until you can explain to me how Jimmy Garoppolo is the reason that Trey Lance had the same yards per attempt as him last. Explain that one to me on the next show. That's your homework assignment, Flav. Woodman says Trey led the league in deep pass, uh, deep pass passer rating. Yeah, and Jimmy Garoppolo is the worst deep passer in the game. But that's that. Don't talk about that, to Jimmy Garoppolo. That's not fair. That's not. <laughs> Thank you very much, Larry. Thank you very much, Flav, and everyone watching. Take care.